You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We are live on a Thursday morning. Welcome to the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, as always, Kevin Parker, here riding solo again today, talking about the 2020 senior class for the MSU football team. Uh, with all of the uncertainty, with, with all of the you know situations, all of the unrest around college football right now, the Big Ten recently decided to go to a conference-only schedule. Whether that happens or not, you know, who, who is remains to be seen. We have no idea what's going to happen. You know, I think the only certainty in college football this year is uncertainty. Nobody has any idea. You know, even when you talk to the the folks that are really plugged in around the country, talking to coaches, ads, uh, conference directors, they they don't even know what's going to happen. So. I wanted to take a moment here and just run through the senior class for the 2020 football team because these are some guys, I mean, depending on what happens with the season, whether we get a couple games in the fall, whether we play in the spring, whether we try to play games in the fall and we end, it ends up falling through after week two, whatever happens, I wanted to go through and highlight these guys as Whatever happens in 2020, likely this is going to be their last season in East Lansing. And, I, you know, there's been some buzz around, you know, depending on what happens here, what happens with eligibility is a huge question with all of this. You know, that there is a small chance that we could see some of these guys coming back next year if the NCAA decides to grant extra years of eligibility, depending on how this plays out. You know, I, I could definitely see a situation where, we decide to start football up in the fall. Shit hits the fan. You know, we end up going uh, two weeks into the season and they got to call it quits. And I could definitely see a situation where the NCAA allows some of these players to to come back for another season. Uh, you know, that's that's one of the possibilities that can happen. I can see us absolutely finishing off a 10 game conference schedule in the fall. I think you know, with what we've seen around Europe with with the Premier League and everything, there have been examples of sports going on without much of a hitch. So I know that in the U.S. we're in a bit of a different situation here, but I think the the there is a there is space for optimism, and I, I try to provide that as much as I can. Um, if, if you listen to the show on a on a weekly basis, every Monday and Thursday when we're putting out episodes. I've 
pretty much stayed away from this because I don't think anything is gained by by just constantly talking about it. I mean, I've I've listened to I listened to so many podcasts throughout the day, um, so many radio shows throughout the day. I, I basically always have something going on in the background. Uh, I'm a teacher, so I'm basically off, you know, for the most part right now. Um, and, and when I'm going around my apartment, going around the house, it's I I always have something on in the background, and I'm a big sports talk radio guy, so I'm listening to podcasts, radio, and it's just this constant, constant, constant talk about basically people saying, well, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm trying to avoid all of that. I, I want to at least give you content that that can take you away from all of that, that can you know at least put you into a mindset of, hey, if we get football this year, whenever it happens in the fall or the spring, you know, what are some things that I want to be looking for and some things I want to talk about? So um, if you're in the same boat as me where you're kind of getting sick of the whole Hey, what's going to happen this year? You know, this is this is the podcast for you. Um, as always, if it's your first time listening, make sure you hit subscribe for me. Um, I, I hope you really appreciate the so- show. Go ahead and hit that back catalog. We got some good stuff for you. A couple interviews. We got um, a lot of fun episodes, a lot of good content. So make sure you go back and, you know, pick out some episodes that you think look interesting. If you've been listening for the whole time, you know, as always, I really appreciate the support. This this thing's slowly growing, getting off the ground here. Uh, episode by episode, we're getting a few more uh, listeners, and, and it's really exciting to see. So keep telling your friends and family. I, I really appreciate that. Again, if you've been listening and you haven't taken a moment right now, hit that uh, Apple review podcast, uh, Apple podcast review on your phone, uh, it takes two seconds. If you're listening on Spotify, there's really no review system there, unfortunately. But at least make sure that you're subscribed and you get the episode every week. Um, I really appreciate that. So, um, like I said, today we're going to go through the senior class uh, and just talk about some of these guys. If they have some, you know, potential, if they're a potential draft pick, we'll go through that. If uh, this is probably going to be their last year, if they're going to be, you know, looking at some playing time, we'll we'll kind of go through their career as a whole and and a bit of what we would expect from them here in 2020 as well. Um, and I want to go through the whole senior class. You know, we'll, we'll of course talk about the guys like Jacob Panisuk and and Antoine Simmons for a bit more time, but you know, I I did want to make sure we hit on the Alante Thomases, the, the Russ Nelsons, the guys that maybe haven't been a huge, important key piece of the MSU football team over the last few years. And, you know, maybe they're not heading for starting roles, but I want to give everybody, you know, a little shout out here as well. So, you know, with this being such a weird year for a senior class, having no idea if this is really going to be their last season, if they're going to be able to play in their last season, if, you know, maybe they're going to uh, be able to come back again next year, you know, who knows what's going to happen. So I wanted to make sure that I at least take a few moments here and and dig through the senior class and see, you know, what these guys might have ahead of them in 2020 and beyond and, and potentially the NFL in the next level. So, We'll kind of run through this offense first. You know, we'll, we'll kind of look at it like if you were scrolling through Madden by position on your depth chart or on your roster, we'll kind of look at it that way. So quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, O-line, D-line, linebacker, DBs, kicker, punter. So 
Um, of course, there's no senior quarterbacks, uh, which which is uh, an interesting piece of this team. Uh, running backs, there's one senior. We have Alante Thomas. This is a transfer from Saginaw Valley State back in 2017. He had a touchdown run against Western Michigan last season, uh, but he's only played three games in two years. Um, definitely doesn't really seem to be in this backfield mix at all with with the young talent that we have with Elijah Collins, Ant Williams, Brandon Wright getting a few snaps. So probably a guy barring any crazy injuries won't be seeing a whole lot of playing time other than maybe some cleanup duty in a blowout game or something like that. Um, but, you know, he, he's a guy who... A sociology major again coming in from Saginaw Valley State. So, you know, I hopefully, you know, has some future beyond the NFL football field because I, I don't expect him to get there. But um, you know, hey, maybe maybe he can be a key rotational piece if if somebody goes down, uh, barring any injuries. Of course, we're we're hoping that doesn't happen. So um I, I think if Alante Thomas sees the field this year, it would be because something bad happened. Um, so hopefully we won't see his name called too often this year, but you know, good kid again, uh, you know, had a touchdown against Western Michigan. So, um, you know, good, good kid to have in the program coming over from Saginaw Valley state at wide receiver. There is one senior Lares Nelson. He was a two-star coming in from Florida, um, but he's played in every season. You know, we didn't redshirt the kid. He came in his freshman year and played 10 games, um, was punt returning a, a little bit with Brandon Sowards, of course. Uh, played 46 snaps on offense as a sophomore. Uh, had 12 catches for 114 yards in uh, nine games. Junior year, he had, that's of course 2019, he had one start against Penn State, played 122 snaps on the season. Um, doesn't really have a whole lot of production. He's a guy who I think could be an effective slot guy. You know, if we see Julian Barnett move to the cornerback spot, He's a guy I could see getting, you know, some meaningful snaps and and maybe a few meaningful targets. I would be surprised to see him go over, you know, 200 yards this year, but I could see him definitely working his way into that wide receiver rotation. We have a pretty young group. Of course, Jaden Reed coming over from Western Michigan is going to be commanding a lot of targets along with Trey Mosley as he continues to grow. And and of course, Jalen Naylor. So I think he's probably, again, assuming Julian Barnett moves back to the defensive side of the ball, he's probably our fourth or fifth receiver with him and C.J. Hayes kind of battling out for reps behind those guys. But, you know, he's he's a guy, again, he, you get the ball into his hands and he's shown the capability to make something happen. So he could play a, a relatively meaningful role this year. Um, but I don't expect him to be a starter with, with the young talent that we have there. And and as a guy, there's just not enough production to really see any possibility at the next level. Um, advertising management major, hopefully he can make a nice career for himself after Michigan State. And, a, you know, full-ride scholarship always uh, always helps. So uh, Lares Nelson, you know, again, I, I definitely will see him on the field this year. I, I think there's no doubt about that, but I don't think he'll be playing too meaningful of a role outside of, you know, battling for those fourth or fifth spot um, with C.J. Hayes there. At tight end, we have two seniors here. Number one, the the guy we'll probably talk about a little bit more is Matt Dotson. He was a four-star coming in from Ohio. Uh, Started one game his freshman year. 
sophomore year, started two games, but played in all of them. And then, of course, um, last year he had some injuries that he dealt with. He battled an Achilles. Um, but he's a guy who he was, again, a four-star kid, one of our higher-rated recruits, and just he he really struggled to to be consistent when he was on the field. And of course, you know, battling some injuries last year as well doesn't help. But he's got all the talent in the world. He's got good size, about 6'5", 250, athletic, good pass catching, you know, just a natural route runner at times. But he's just really struggled with consistency and hasn't put it all together. And he's a guy I think, you know, with Trenton Gillison is definitely in the mix as as the starting tight end. I quite frankly expect Trenton Gillison to be the number one by the start of the season. Whenever that is, I, I do think Trenton Gillison is more proven. I, I think he's a little bit more athletic. I just think he brings a little bit more to the table. Dotson, again, that there's always been flashes of the potential, but he just has never put it all together. And that's been really frustrating to watch for him because I I remember on on my podcast last year, if you if you were a loyal listener here um, with the Downtown Spartans podcast that I was doing last year, he was a guy I expected to break out last season. He was a, somebody that I really said, you know, hey, the the 2018 there was zero tight end production. If we remember, he was he was the most productive tight end, and he had like 150 yards and like two touchdowns or one touchdown, I think. So uh, he was somebody I expected to break out given his athletic profile and the need, just the dire need for production at the position. But it just never came to fruition. You know, when he went down, Trenton Gillison really stepped up and had a couple big plays at a really great bowl game against Wake Forest. So I expect Trenton Gillison to be the guy going into this year. Uh, of course, Dotson with a little bit more experience, but I, I just think Gillison has the higher ceiling. I think he's just the better player right now. So um, Dotson will probably be working into that number two tight end role. We'll definitely see him on the field a lot. I think that's safe. Uh, I know Jay Johnson has mentioned the importance of the tight end in the offense, but when you watch Colorado last year, they rarely play two tight ends at the same time. You know, this isn't going to be the Mark D'Antonio offense that we've seen over the last few years. Um, it, that's not to say that he won't get on the field. I, I think he'll certainly be in the mix in every game and, and get a, a pretty large number of snaps. But I, I just think ultimately in a primarily one tight end offense, like we expect to see under Jay Johnson, I just don't think he's going to be getting those starting reps. I think Gillison's kind of, you know, eclipsed him. So um, good player. Again, he's uh, it just been really frustrating to watch his progression over his time in East Lansing. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what he can come up with this year. Maybe he has a great camp and really impresses the coaching staff. Maybe he comes out, you know, showing some experience you know, last year on 16 catches, he had seven first downs and a touchdown. So, you know, when when it was crunch time, he he did produce a little bit. But again, I, I just see him as the second tight end going into this year. Um, and the other senior tight end here is Reed Burton. Uh, you probably won't recognize him from his time on the field, but his father, Ron Burton, of course, the defensive line coach. Um, Reed Burton, he he wasn't really recruited coming out of East Lansing, but got a spot on the squad. 
Um, hasn't played any game snaps in his time so far, but he's a three-time Big Ten academic, all uh, academic, all Big Ten. There we go. Three-time academic, all Big Ten performer as an English major. So I'm not sure what the future holds for him, but I, I know that's a pretty good program at MSU. So I'm sure he's got a bright future off the field. On the offensive line, moving to the offensive line, we got uh, four senior he, four seniors here that all have pretty extensive playing history. Um, we'll start with AJ Arcuri, who's probably in line to be the starting left tackle this year. I, I would expect three star out of Ohio. He's a redshirt senior. Um, didn't really play a whole lot his first two seasons uh, without the redshirt. Junior year. He had seven starts, uh, five of them at left tackle, uh, or has played in seven games, excuse me. He had five starts uh, as a junior last year at left tackle. Um, just, you know, he's a guy who dealt with some injuries last year, as did our entire offensive line. He looked okay when he was in there. I, I mean, he definitely wasn't a great left tackle. I, I think there's, you know, a lot of work, especially in pass protection, that he's got to work on. but. I think he showed signs of being a starting caliber left tackle in the Big Ten. But, you know, again, with all of these offensive linemen, we'll talk about it. Health is such a problem. And so he's got to show that he can stay healthy and he's got to stay on the field for us. Because, you know, as I, I mentioned again last year, if you listen to the the podcast, last year's offensive line recruiting class was really good. And so there's a lot of these guys that I think could be pushing for playing time right away. So, you know, if there's an injury, if you're not looking sharp in camp, I think those spots are up for grabs. You know, again, I think we go into this season with our Curie as our starting left tackle, but uh, that's far from a certainty that he's going to finish the season as the left tackle, be it you know, due to getting beat out or, or just due to health. Um, you know, just these guys haven't shown the ability to stay healthy and stay on the field. Um, but, you know, again, he he will be probably our starting left tackle going into the season. So, you know, he's he's got to work on the pass protection, you know, technique. Uh, that's certainly something that I saw when I was watching some games from last year. Uh, whoever it is on YouTube does MSU Quick Cuts, I think is the name of the account. God bless you. You you are a magician. I think he's got like six games up there from last year. 30 minutes. You watch every snap. It's fantastic. You can rewind, rewatch plays. It's awesome. So, you know, trying to rewatch a little bit and, and see what we have at left tackle with him. I, there's some room to be excited. Uh, he's a pretty, you know, balanced player. He's, he's not like a mauler in the run game, you know, and he, he's not some technician and pass protection, but you know, I think if there's one area to improve, it's definitely, you know, protecting that blind side. So probably looking at him starting going into the year, but, you know, I, I wouldn't expect any NFL future out of him, uh, you know, but he's a three-time academic, all big 10 packaging major, which is of course a great school at Michigan state. So uh, I'm sure again, he's got a bright future ahead of him. Matt Allen, another senior here, three-star out of Illinois. Of course, the third of the Allen brothers starting at center. Uh, I wish the Allen parents just kept having more children and we could have, you know, a dynasty of Allen centers for like three decades. That that would be awesome. But redshirt his freshman year, uh, didn't play a whole lot as a redshirt freshman. Seven starts as, as a redshirt sophomore, missed three games due to injury. As a junior, started nine games. 
missed the final four regular season games due to injury, came back for the bowl game. Uh, but again, you know, you miss seven games in the last two seasons due to injuries. And it's just tough to trust a, a guy coming in at center that, you know, he's, he's the leader of the team. We, we know we've heard great things about him. You know, of course, coming from a long line of, of Spartan centers, smart kid, you know, just he's a good football player. I, I don't think there's any mistake. He's, you know, he can really move some people around in there, but you just have to stay on the field. And that's been such a challenge for him. He'll enter this season as the starting center. I think there's little doubt there. But when you have guys like Nick Samek, who's who's coming in as a sophomore, as a true sophomore this year, who played quite a bit as a freshman last year, as a guy who could potentially take his spot. I mean, again, there there was a really good class last year um, that I, I think these guys could be pushing for playing time. So if Matt Allen slips up, if he misses a couple games early and expects somebody to step in and then get his job back, I, I don't know if that's going to be the case. So, you know, this is a guy who's just got to get his body right and get stay on the field. So uh, Matt Allen, good player, solid player, you know, has, again, started, what, 16 games over the last couple of years and has looked really solid doing it, but, again, just has to stay on the field for us this year in 2020. Um, you know, probably again is a guy that I, I don't think he's as good as his older brothers, Jack or Brian, Brian, of course, playing, um, should be starting this year with the LA Rams. Um, Jack Allen, let me get my stats guy on this. I don't know exactly where Jack Allen is right now. Um, but I, I think he's not as good as his older brothers. Uh, I, I just don't think that he's on that kind of level, but Jack Allen currently a free agent. Um, is not currently on a roster. Um, but yeah, again, I just, I, I probably don't see an NFL future with Matt Allen. Maybe he comes out, starts every game this year, first team, all big 10 and, and gets a shot at a training camp. I'm not really sure, but you know, a little bit undersized. I, I just, with the injury history, I, I don't really see it in his future. Uh, food industry management major, you know, probably has a nice career for himself again after the football field. Luke Campbell is our next senior, a redshirt senior at that, three-star out of Ohio, had 12 starts as a redshirt freshman and was a Big Ten honorable mention, and that was in 2017 when our offense was moving the ball a little bit. Brian Lewerke was, of course, that was his best season in East Lansing, and I think we had high hopes for the kid. He was a two-time pro football-focused team of the week. He had a couple really nice games mixed in there again, uh, just had a really promising future. I think we all said, okay, here's a guy we could plug in at one of the tackle spots for the next three, four years. As a sophomore, he misses four games due to injury. He starts five games, you know, it just, they, they move him around. He started at left tackle at left guard and at right guard as a junior in 2019, he starts nine games at both left guard and right guard. And just, I, I, part of this, of course, is the injuries that he hasn't been able to stay on the field again. Another guy that we'll talk about on this offensive line. Another thing is just he, he hasn't been able to get comfortable. You know, again, he looked really solid at right tackle as a redshirt freshman. And then they started moving him around left tackle, left guard, right guard. You know, he started four of the offensive line positions and just hasn't been able to sit in one spot and get comfortable and, and get his technique right. 
And so I, I just, I don't necessarily blame the coaching staff. I don't necessarily blame Luke Campbell. I think it's kind of a mixed bag, but it's just, uh, it, it is frustrating to see a career play out like this, where you have such high hopes as a redshirt freshman, you're an honorable mention, all big 10 player starting every game at right tackle. And then all of a sudden you get injured for a couple games and they're moving you around at, on every spot in the offensive line and you're not able to get comfortable. So I, I just, I could see the frustration in Luke Campbell and, and I can definitely appreciate that um, as a player, but you know, man, he's, he's probably going to come in this year as like our, as a swing backup offensive lineman. Um, I, I don't really see a spot where he's going to be starting. I think JD Duplain and Kevin Jarvis are going to be starting at the two guard spots. Jordan Reed is a guy we'll talk about in a second year, second here, but he's been locking down the right tackle spot the last couple of years. And and again, I think AJR Curie is the, the better player at left tackle. So I, I don't know if there's a starting spot for him, but just with how much, how many injuries that we've dealt with, I think it's inevitable that we'll find, he'll find his way onto the field. However, as a redshirt senior, you know, especially in this weird year that we're probably going to get, you have a guy like Devonte Dobbs, who's a redshirt freshman coming in this year, who was a five-star recruit, who I think the coaches certainly want to get on the field. So he's another guy I could definitely see playing a tackle or a guard position. So when you're looking at Luke Campbell coming in as kind of a swing backup offensive lineman who can play a bunch of different spots, if I'm the head coach that has a young team that's not really looking to compete for anything this year, if somebody goes down, I would probably be looking to put Devontae Dobbs into that spot and, and see what we have in him. So it's going to be a tough road for Luke Campbell, I think, this year, which which sucks after such a promising start to his career. But I, I just see a really hard time having a position where he's starting the majority of the year. It's just... Uh, you know, off of pure talent, I, I don't think he gets in over anybody, but maybe Drew, Jordan Reed and him could have a battle at right tackle. Um, but, you know, again, there, there's there been so many injuries across this offensive line. We'll definitely see him. I can pretty much certainly say that we'll see him in there. Um, 6'5", 305, he's got good size to play any of those four spots. But, you know, I just don't see a path to him, you know, really excelling at that level again. And, you know, probably won't really have a shot at the NFL, but um, he's a three-time academic, all Big Ten, another really smart kid, a kinesiology major. So I, I'm sure he'll have a nice future. But you know, it's just frustrating after the start of his career that we saw. Um, and the last offensive lineman, the last senior offensive lineman here, Jordan Reed, guy that we mentioned there, starting at right tackle for the last two seasons. He's been the only healthy guy. He's started 26 straight games, and he's the only one who, who's been plugged in at one spot and hasn't really had to move. Uh, but he was a three-star kid coming out of Cast Tech. He played quite a bit as a as a true freshman. He played 300 snaps on offense, started one game. And then again, the last two seasons, he started all 13 games both years. Um, the only offensive lineman on the team who can say that. Now, he definitely needs to work on his pass protection. I think that's a very clear and obvious point when you watch him play. Um, he can move some people around in the running game. Make no mistake about that. But, you know, he's going to have to work on on the pass protection there. 
to, to really get himself onto any consideration for a watch list or any kind of, um, you know, award talk about a, an, an all big 10 team or, you know, possibly looking at an NFL draft stock, you know, Hey, if you're a three year starter in the big 10, of course, you're going to have a shot, but it, it, you know, that pass protection is going to need a lot of work when you're thinking about making the jump to the NFL and some of the pass rushers he's going to have to go against at that level. But, you know, he's, he's, it, it's, it's nice to have a reliable piece on the offensive line, but that, that you're confident is going to be there for you. So, you know, thank God that that Jordan Reed is in the in the lineup for as much as as it is frustrating at times to watch him try to try to defend against a, an elite pass rusher. It is nice to have him in there. So, you know, it, it is nice to have a stable force at that right tackle spot. So, um, again, I, I don't really see a bright NFL future for him unless he really cleans up his technique this year, but, um, you know, I, I'm sure again, as a three-year starter in the big 10, if you start, you know, what would that be? 39 consecutive games, you know, knock on wood that he can stay healthy. Um, I'm sure he'll get a training camp invite somewhere, you know, but I, I don't really see the NFL in his future. Um, but you know, heck of a player at times. And, and again, just a stabilizing player on that offensive line that, that we've been desperately missing for, for the last couple of years. Now, moving on to the defensive side of the ball here, we're going to start with a guy that I think has some real draft buzz around him, and that's Naquan Jones. So four-star kid out of Illinois. He's played a ton of snaps over the last three years after redshirting as a true freshman. Um, you know, of course, playing behind Raquan Williams and Mike Panishuk, it's it's going to be tough to, to find a starting rep in there. You know, with those two being such consistent great players they were always healthy they were always in the lineup and they always played well um it, it was tough to justify Naquan Jones ever ever having a chance to start but he played a ton of snaps he was over 200 and I think 247 was his lowest snap count since he's been eligible um 247 as a redshirt freshman 295 as a sophomore um some like 280 last year um, and it's just shown a lot of juice for that size, man. 6'4", 338 as a rotational guy just comes in there and at times will blow up a play. I mean, I posted something on Twitter um, a couple weeks back. I was re-watching that pinstripe bowl. Naquan Jones actually retweeted it for me, but uh, which was nice to see. He, he said something like, uh, you know, there's a lot more of this coming. But it was a play where where the uh, the Wake Forest they ran a little um, read option, but he blew the right guard so far into the backfield that they, there was just nothing the offense could do. I mean, by the time the quarterback got the ball in the shotgun, his right guard's already three yards in the backfield. So he flashes those kinds of plays that just make you your jaw drop at that size. But you know, he's had a little bit of production here. He, he had. Let's see, 41 tackles over the last two years, uh, about five sacks, three sacks, excuse me. Um, and, and just, you know, has had a lot of great plays. You know, just just needs to show that he can do it over the course of a whole season as a starter. Uh, the conditioning is going to be the one thing that we're kind of worried about here. You know, you're looking at almost doubling your snap count going from the rotational guy that he's been over the last two years you know, to being the number one starter, 
you know, Raquan Williams played about 600 snaps last year. So again, you're, you're looking at almost doubling or over doubling the snap count for, for Naquan Jones, if he wants to get to that level, which, you know, I'm sure he won't be coming in at 600 snaps, which probably is going to be a result of us not playing a full season. But um, regardless, I, I think, you know, if we're looking at it per game, I, I just don't think he has that level of conditioning at that size would be really impressive, but to even get close, he's, he's going to have to work on that conditioning. But, you know, he's, he is on the radar of NFL folks. I mean, the draft network is somebody, some folks that have been doing a lot of uh, good stuff on the NFL draft the last few years, you know, they're dedicated solely to the NFL draft and scouting different prospects and, He's a guy who, after last year, um, Kyle Krabs, one of their analysts from last season, he's at Grinding the Tape on Twitter. If you want to hit him up, he, he's always a fun, re, you know, follow. Um, they have a, a draft podcast, the Draft Dudes, that I listen to quite a bit, uh, where they go pretty in depth into some of these prospects, some of the things they do well, some of the things they need to work on, projections of where they expect them to fall. They're, they're usually quite accurate with a lot of this stuff. So they, they do some great work over there. And he had a whole write-up on Naquan Jones after last season. So this is going off of 2018 and 2019 tape where Kyle Krabs, he, he did a little pros and cons, and he said he has prototypical size and length for the interior, pairs it with a pleasant amount of mobility to work up and down the line between the numbers. He's filled with potential. Instances of stack and shed illustrate good upper body power and necessary length to be a force in gap control concepts on defense. He's going to challenge soft anchors and is a load when he builds the momentum to challenge gaps and play in attack mode too. I think he's athletic enough to fill both penetration role and serve as a one technique who's basically a nose tackle, a one technique who is tasked with keeping the linebackers clean. Uh, punch power stands out in a big way when you watch him. So, you know, a lot of kind words going towards Naquan Jones here as a pro prospect. And that's just over the last, after the last two seasons as a backup. So I, I think there's a lot to like about the kid, you know, again, is just going to have to put it together over the course of a full season as a, as a full-time starter. And that's probably going to be the toughest part, but Naquan Jones is is definitely going to be drafted. I think there's little doubt about that. I think he's a guy who could absolutely see himself getting picked on day two in the second or third round with that size and the athletic profile for his size. There, there's no question that this kid has NFL written all over him. So it's just a matter of, of when he'll get drafted, not if, in, in my opinion. Now, Jacob Panisuk, obviously another pretty big name here, three-star out of Illinois, younger brother brother of Mike Panisuk, of course. Um, As a freshman, he played in all 13 games, no red shirt there. He he had one start as well, uh, one sack against Indiana. Sophomore year, he made 11 starts, four and a half tackles for loss, a couple sacks. Uh, with that, uh, Northwestern game was kind of his breakout game as a sophomore year. Um, had had a quite a good game there. At a, I think a sack, a tackle for loss, a couple tackles, um, and, and led the team in defensive production points. As a junior, of course, last season, thirteen starts, started every game opposite Kenny Willickis on the edge. Uh, Thirty-four tackles, eleven tackles for loss, five sacks, second on the team. He was a pro football focus team of the week um, in the Big Ten against Tulsa. Had a phenomenal game there. 
uh, against, of course, a lower, you know, a lower opponent. But, you know, it's it's still a, a tremendous achievement. Um, now we come into 2020. And of course, you know, as a returning starter, there's going to be a lot of eyes on Jacob Panishuk, especially as the only returning starter on the entire defensive line. Uh, one of what two returning starters in the whole front seven. So it's going to be very interesting. He's he's going to need to be really consistent with his play. He's going to be need to to really step up as a pass rusher because you know, of course, without Kenny Willickis, you can in theory uh, assume maybe a couple more sacks, maybe a couple more tackles for losses. You know, there were just some plays where maybe Kenny got there one one half of a second earlier and he was the one who got credited with the sack. But, you know, that's also because Kenny Willekes was just a better player last year. So, you know, when when Kenny, when when some of these guys are demanding more attention from the offensive line, Jacob Panisuk could kind of come under the radar a little bit and and make some plays in that way. There's going to be no, you know, sneaking around this year. He's going to be the focal point especially of this pass rushing group with him and and probably Drew Beasley on the other side. So he's going to need to be consistent. He's going to really need to improve his pass rushing technique, something that he does a good job of. I think he's a pretty gifted pass rusher. I think he does a good job. You know, you can tell he studies. You can tell he's a guy who puts a lot of work into it. And at 6'3", 245, he's got a pretty good size and athletic profile for the college game. Uh, now, when you look at trying to project him to the next level after, you know, if we can assume that, you know, this is going to be coming off of a good senior season that he comes out this year, you know, improves the production a little bit as the focal point, you know, really makes a couple plays in some big games. I I do think there is a path to him playing in the NFL. I don't think it's. Uh, a very clear path. I, I think we saw pretty clearly after Kenny Willickis became a seventh round draft pick last year that it's it's tough. It's hard as a pass rusher to get to the next level if you don't have you know the Chase Young type body and, and athletic profile. A lot of these SEC kids coming out, you know, they might be raw, they might be lacking production, but the athletic profiles are just freaky with some of these kids. So. When you're coming in with with a lesser athletic profile and you know decent size, but six three two forty five, you're not you know some six six two sixty coming out here. So you're really going to have to win on technique, and that's something that Kenny Willickis did, and still was a seventh round draft pick. So I think there's absolutely a path to the NFL for for Panishuk, but it's going to be tough. It's probably going to be an undrafted free agent route. And he's really going to have to work at it. But I think, you know, this is a kid that you can tell really works on his game. You can tell has gotten better and better every year. Um, is just going to really need to come out as the focal point of the defensive line from a pass rushing standpoint is, is really going to come out and make some plays. If he wants to get drafted, if he wants to get signed to an NFL roster next year, he's going to really have to step up this season. He's He's really one of the, you know, impact players coming into this year. One of these guys that if we end up with a good season, he will be a big part of that because, you know, we're, we're really, I think as, as an average fan, we're not really expecting a whole lot from this defensive line after everything that we're losing, you know, basically three, 
multi-year starters, that's really tough to replace. So if he can step up and have a huge year, that could be a, a nice, you know, signing point to uh, actually having a good season this year. So, so Jacob Panishuk, a guy who's definitely locked in as, as a starter, but, you know, is going to need to just show a little bit more consistency as the focal point of this defensive line. Now, starting on the other edge spot, I think is going to be Drew Beasley, another senior. He was a two-star out of De La Salle. Uh, redshirt his freshman season, didn't really play a whole lot as a redshirt freshman. As a redshirt sophomore, came in with 141 snaps. Last year, uh, had a big seat, nearly doubled his snap count, had six tackles for loss on 14 tackles, one and a half sacks, had a really nice game against Michigan. That was probably his best game of the season when you go back and watch some of the reps that he put out there. Um, but again, he's a guy I think is probably going to be the starter outside of of Jacob Panishuk on the edge spot this year. Um, he's weighing in at 6'2", 248, so just a hair under 250. Um, I think if he could get that up a little bit, it would be nice. And again, when you go back and watch some of the tape, he makes some, some plays, um, but there's just no consistency, which is really frustrating with Drew Beasley watching him. Um, he gets caught a lot, you know, especially against Wake Forest. They have a pretty wacky offense in that read option kind of stuff, but he was getting mixed up left and right. He, he didn't really know what he was doing out there. Um, he just struggled to keep contain on outside runs. He, he was just having a hard time. So, uh, you know, he's played well in certain plays. He, he's played pretty poorly in others. Uh, he's really going to need to be a lot more consistent this year. You know, you can tell when you, when it's a clean third and long, you know, pass rushing down. He he has some moves, and I, I think he can be a capable pass rusher. But, you know, between the ears, there, there's a lot that he needs to grow, uh, a lot of room to grow as well, and just, uh, you know, needs to be a more polished defensive end as far as, you know, really setting the edge in the running game and really knowing his assignment at all times. I think is going to be the one thing that he really needs to work on going into this year, but probably will be a starter. I don't see any NFL future for Drew Beasley, unfortunately, but you know, look, uh, you know, not lucky for him, but you know, the good side is that he's a two time academic all conference econ major. So, you know, I'm sure, sure he'll have some um, nice things to nice opportunities after his time at Michigan state. Uh, Jonathan Bryce is the other graduating defensive lineman. He's a senior who dra- uh, transferred in from Jackson Community College in 2017. They the the staff switched him from tight end to defensive end. Uh, he's a scout team guy. hasn't hasn't gotten in on any games. Uh, probably won't expect him to at all this year either. Um, you know, again, maybe due to some injuries, he can get a spot in there with. Um, but you know, you're, you're behind Jack Camper, you're behind probably Michael Fletcher, who's a, a highly touted red shirt freshman. You know, there's just, uh, there's a hard path to playing time, even at a, uh, at a position where we're a little bit thin compared to the rest of the roster. Wouldn't really expect him to see him more than a couple snaps this season, but, um, Jonathan Bryce, again, coming over from Jackson community college, um, agribusiness management major. So a really good program at Michigan state. I'm sure he's got a bright future. Um, now at linebacker, a guy that we'll spend a little bit of time with here, probably the best player on the team. If, if you want my opinion, Antoine Simmons, four star out of Ann Arbor pioneer, 
uh, played a ton as a freshman, over 120 snaps, over 120 snaps and 34 tackles. Sophomore year, he really settled in 284 snaps and 32 tackles as a rotational linebacker. And then, of course, last year started all 13 games, honorable mention, all Big Ten, 15 tackles for loss, three pass breakups, three and a half sacks. He had an INT and 90 tackles on the year. Really smart player, team leader. He led this led the team on defense and snaps. Uh, really sideline to sideline player. Probably will come in around 4.5 second 40, 4.5 second 40 yard dash time at the combine when he gets there. Um, just a really instinctive, smart, good football player. I mean, there's just He's one of those guys that you just look at him, you you watch him play. You, he could play running back. He could play fullback. He could play probably tight end if he wanted to. He's just a damn good football player, man. And and he's a little bit undersized. That's probably the biggest worry for him when we're looking at transitioning to the next level after this season because I think it's safe to say he's probably one of the 10 to 20 best players in the conference. I think he'll be an, an all-Big Ten type player, first or second team. I, I just have a hard time seeing a path where that's not the case. Um, so I, when you really look at trying to transition him to the next level, I could absolutely see him being a second or third round draft pick, uh, even at that size. We've seen guys, I was trying to, to go back in my memory and try to think of some players who were a little bit undersized at the linebacker spot. Telvin Smith is a guy who came in around 215. He was 6'3", so he's got three or four inches on him, which is a big deal at the linebacker position. But you have guys like Deion Jones out of LSU who was playing for the Falcons the last few years as a really effective linebacker. He was at the Combine 6'1", 222. Quan Alexander was 6'1", 227. Shaq Thompson uh, playing for Carolina out of Washington. He was 6'2", 228. So there's a path. I think, you know, with Antoine Simmons, you're probably going to want him to see want to see him put at least 5 pounds if if you're under 220, that's going to be a big problem. But if you at least get over that 220 pound mark and you run a 4-5, I think a lot of those concerns go away. So we know that his his profile isn't going to be you know, a thumping middle linebacker in the running game. So when when you're looking at a guy that you can put out in space in the modern NFL, I think he's a guy that everybody's going to want. You could play him at a nickel. You could play him as a roving safety and just a guy that, that can make plays all over the field. Again, sideline to sideline player who, who's really good in pass coverage, who can rush the passer, who's pretty effective around the edge. He can do it all, and I really think he's he's a Miles Jack light. I mean, he's a, he's a guy that I think the NFL will really crave, even with his size. You know, realistically, is he going to be a second-round pick? Probably not, because I'm assuming he'll come in at the combine, maybe even a hair under six foot, maybe 221, 225 at tops. Um, but I think he's just, when you turn on the tape, man, that's an instinctive, reflexive, just a damn good football player, man. And it would be a shame to see him go out of even the third round. I really believe that. Um, So Antoine Simmons, I think he's the best player on the team coming into this year and a guy that's really going to get a good look at the NFL after this season. Um, And then just to finish it up here, we got a couple more guys. We have Dominique Long. We're moving to the defensive backfield. Dominique Long 
He was a three-star out of Ohio. Um, didn't redshirt, played all 11, played 11 games as a true freshman, mostly on special teams, uh, all 13 games as a sophomore. And then as a junior last season, um, started to play a little bit more on defense. He had about 50 snaps on the defensive side of the ball, but still primarily a special teams guy. He, he did block a punt in that Tulsa game. If you remember, um, he, he's a guy who might, might have, you know, a, a path to some playing time this year. Um, Trey person is a guy that we'll talk about in a second here. He's, he's the starting safety outside of Xavier Henderson, where I, I'm not sure we know exactly what we have from him as a safety, um, the corner spot, especially if, you know, maybe Julian Barnett stays at the wide receiver position, Kalen Gervin and Shakur Brown are probably going to be your starters in that in that case. And then Dominique Long, maybe there's a path to him playing at, at corner. You know, he's he's played both positions. They've moved him back and forth a little bit. So, you know, maybe there is a path to him being a rotational guy on the defensive side, be it at, at the corner spot or at a safety spot. But, you know, really, really, really solid special teams player and, and a really important piece of the special teams. You know, you look at a guy like Matthew Slater at, at the, the New England Patriots, he's just been a staple for that whole dynasty. As And all he does is play special teams. It's it's really important to have that guy in there who can block you a punt, who can return a kick, who can come down on kick co- coverage and make a play. I mean, he, he's been all over the field for a couple of years on the special teams. So, you know, really important piece in that sense. Again, special teams is a, an important phase of the game. And if you don't have players that can play that spot, that don't have the attitude that, for it, that don't have the mentality for it, it can be tough. So Dominique Long, probably a rotational defensive guy at best, but definitely a key piece in the special teams. Um, don't really see an NFL future for him, unfortunately, but he's a three-time academic All-Big Ten mechanical engineering major. So uh, definitely a bright future ahead for him. A lot smarter than I am. Uh, I can definitely guarantee you that. So uh, Trey Persons, the other guy, you know, he's probably in line for a starting spot. They, they've mentioned him as the starting safety other than Xavier Henderson. So he'll be playing the free safety spot this year, which I, I mentioned is Scotty Hazleton's cover three defense is really important. He's going to be you know, the guy basically patrolling the middle of the field. If, you know, we talked about the all-decade team, think about like Malik Hooker as that just roaming free safety, just trying to make plays around the middle of the field. You know, if, if a ball's going to the sideline, maybe you have the closing speed to get over there and make a play. But he's going to be that free safety, it looks like, this year. He came in as a corner, played as a, as a freshman and a sophomore as a corner. Last year transitioned over to safety and played about 200 snaps on defense. So, you know, we've seen a little bit of him, but we haven't seen him in that starting role, of course, with David Dowell and uh, Xavier Henderson taking those spots last season. But he's in line for some playing time. We'll see what we got in him. I, I don't think that anybody is really comfortable in saying we know what he's going to be this year. I, I think there's a lot of potential there, certainly. As a guy transitioning from corner, he started four games as a cornerback as a, as a sophomore a couple years back, and then, of course, made the transfer. So we'll see. I, I mean, it's just a completely up in the air. I have no idea what to expect from Trey Person this season, uh, to be completely honest. But, you know, I think he's got the athletic mold for it. I, I think he has some instincts 
to be a kind of over the top player. He's got some pretty good ball skills, but uh, I just, I'm not really sure what to expect out of Trey person this year. And, you know, Hey, if he comes out and has a tremendous season as the first year starting in a new position, maybe there's a look for him in the sixth or seventh round of the NFL draft, but uh, probably, you know, if we're taking the law of averages here, I would say that, you know, if we run 10,000 simulations, I'd say most of them uh, end up with him not having a bright NFL future. But, you know, there there are a few situations where I could see that being possible. So um, Trey Person's a guy that I, I think, you know, again, in line for a starting spot. Let's see what you got out there, kid. So um, last one that we'll talk about here is the kicker. Matt Coughlin, of course, as a special teams guy, my favorite position to talk about. But Matt Coughlin, he was, uh, you know, a top 10 kicker coming out of high school, out of Ohio, redshirt his freshman year, and then has started the last three seasons as a redshirt freshman. He was honorable mention all Big Ten after going 15 for 19 on field goals, had that game-winning kick against Penn State after the storm. Sophomore year is a first-team All-Big Ten. Groves a semifinalist after going 18 for 22 on field goals. He had that touchdown run against Indiana. He had a streak of 18 consecutive field goals between his freshman and his sophomore year, which is an MSU record. Last season, honorable mention All-Big Ten, 22 for 32. Had a game-winning kicks against Maryland and Indiana. Um, just a, a pretty consistent kicker when you get him inside 40 yards, which, you know, from the college game is, is sometimes all you can really ask for. Sometimes all you really require is just a guy who's, you know, is going to get you points when you need them. Um, of course the issue with Matt Coughlin, he doesn't really have a big leg. He's never hit one from over 50. Um, there was the Ohio state game a couple years back where they lined him up from 52, 53, something like that. And he missed it. I think it was wide left. He had the leg for it, um, but just, you know, clearly not consistent enough from range in practice. You know, that's something that you'll see often is when they just don't march him out there. It doesn't mean they don't have the leg for it. I think it's it's impossible to say that any college kicker doesn't have the leg for 50 yards. You know, I could kick from 55, but I just wasn't consistent. And that's why I didn't have a Michigan State scholarship. Um, so any of these guys can hit from 50. It's just a matter of can you do it consistently enough to outweigh the the risk of, you know, hey, do we go for this? Do we kick a field goal? Do we just punt it away and get the best field position? You know, what are the odds of him making this 50-yarder to really send him out there and, and avoid giving bad field position if he misses it? So um, that that's really the issue with Coughlin. He doesn't have a consistent leg from 50 plus you know again we haven't seen him hit a single one in game so um that's going to be the biggest problem for him again there if you're not hidden consistently from 50 plus there's there's really no nfl future for you unfortunately but you know i'm sure he's got a, a nice future ahead of himself as well after his msu career so you know again just wanted to go through and, and really talk about this senior class as a whole of course, highlighting some of the guys that are in for big playing time that, that might have NFL futures ahead of them. And just wanted to, of course, mention some of the guys that don't get any love as well. But, you know, with this wild time, with us not knowing what's going to happen in 2020, whatever happens with this 2020 season, I wanted to make sure to highlight some of these guys who, you know, we might not see again in the green and white. So I uh, hope you guys have yourselves a nice Thursday. Hope you have yourselves a fantastic weekend. 
We'll see you again Monday. Have yourselves a day, folks. Take care.